you have an internal sense of, I am not at the whim of COVID anymore. And we have all been living in this space of just, what if? It's a very hard way to live. And, and until you sort of have that second shot, you don't even realize how kind of internally afraid of what is gonna happen if I get this disease. Welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, alongside Chris Kazuski, my co-host. And today, our special guest is Dr. Zenobia Brown. She's the Vice President of Population Health and the Medical Director for Health Solutions. Dr. Brown, thanks so much for joining us. The vaccine is here. Tell us what this means for the impact on public health. Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, this is an incredibly exciting time. The vaccine is here. And as you said, it is the key to how we're going to get past COVID. Um, sort of bar none, full stop on that. It is our path to just getting sort of back to whatever this new normal is going to look like. So a lot of exciting kind of information about the vaccine. So I'm just you know, really excited to talk about that today. Let's stay on that. Um, so I know there's a lot of exciting information, but there's also a lot of misinformation, too. And I think maybe some of the things we can do today is really dispel some of those misnomers. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of what people are worrying about is that it all happens so quickly. Right. It's like, listen, normally this takes years and years. Is this thing really good? Is it safe? And what I think people really need to understand, every step that we typically take, take with a vaccine happened for this vaccine. There were no cut corners. So everything that we have to do with anything that we put into the American people, any kind of medication, these vaccines went through all of those steps. So what was different here was that there was international collaboration, collaboration between labs, and truthfully, a lot of the red tape that does sort of stop things up was sort of eliminated. Things that were, that typically slowed down the process, sort of some of these wait times. Also, not for nothing, a lot was invested. There was a lot of monetary investment, understanding that this was that important. There was nothing more important than the health of the American people. So time and money were invested to make sure that all of these labs were resourced to get to the answers that they needed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there were clinical trials. And a lot of people don't realize that there were clinical trials that were very uh, uh, in depth and that people went, you know, thousands of people participate in these clinical trials. Tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. And I'm like super proud of, you know, obviously Americans, but just people who signed up to be in these clinical trials, they were very careful to get a real sort of a spectrum of our citizens to, to take the vaccine voluntarily um, so that we have representation of race, ethnicity, age. Um, so this vaccine, as I said, tens of thousands of people, and now millions of people have taken this vaccine. So we are, in addition to the trials, the clinical trials that showed efficacy, meaning like that it worked really well, and safety, that it was across, you know, 40,000 people, very safe. Um, now we have a million people plus who've gotten it and continues to be safe and continues to seem very effective. Yeah, I think in the very beginning, we, we saw some cases where some people had some allergic reactions. And to me, and I'm not sure, and you can tell me, but it seems like that might have been the worst side effects, some allergic reactions. Yeah, 
Yeah. And what's really interesting there is the difference in kind of allergic reactions between people who actually got vaccine and people who kind of got what we call placebo or just like saline injection was not too far different. Right. So, you know, it, it was very low. The numbers of people where that happened were very low. And now that we've given it to millions of people, the number who've had a serious allergic reaction is less than a handful out of a million. So again, the safety of this thing, we are just getting more and more real-time information about the safety of this vaccine. Did you get yours? I've gotten the full series. I am, you know, two up, two down. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, after you get the vaccine, really kind of getting COVID-y symptoms. So fever, you know, muscle aches, you know, arm pain. I will say I have had none of that um, in either vaccine, either from the first shot or the second shot. It does seem like after the second shot is where people are more likely to have that. But these are very sort of what we call self-limited or symptoms that don't linger. Um, they tend to go away after a day or so. Had it. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, just just touching on your vaccine. So obviously you didn't have any uh, physical side effects from it. But mentally, how do you feel knowing that you're protected now? Yeah. So it's really interesting. I think when you when you're like on your way to your vaccine appointment or maybe when you first make it, there is that little like what we call trepidation or like feeling a little bit worried. But it is super empowering once you get that vaccine. And let me tell you, once you get that second one, understanding that this thing is over 90 percent effective, even though and you've heard me say it before, you've got to still wear your mask. You have to, you know, <laughs> hand sanitize. You have to socially distance all of that stays until we have herd immunity, but you have an internal sense of, I am not at the whim of COVID anymore. And we have all been living in this space of just, <gasps> what if? It's a very hard way to live. And, and until you sort of have that second shot, you don't even realize how kind of internally afraid of what is going to happen if I get this disease. Yeah. And I, I think that for me, it's, just, it's, that hits it on the head. It's a home run. Um, you know, cause if I get COVID, it's going to be really bad as compared to having a, a couple days of a side effect. And what, when I was doing my homework up on the, on the clinical trials, the most thing I heard was, you know, uh, the side effects weren't anything that, that ibuprofen couldn't handle, you know, for a couple of days. And that, that was it. If you get COVID, there's a 20% chance you're going to end up in the hospital. And of that, maybe 20% you might die. That is real. That is a real threat to your life and your health. I can tell you for sure, getting this vaccine, there is, you're not going to die from this vaccine. So the calculus or the math in terms of the risk benefit is so heavily weighted toward getting vaccinated. It's, it's just a non, it's almost a non-question. It is a no-brainer. Um, so, you know, people should definitely understand COVID as a lethal disease is very real, as a, you know, a strain on the economy and our way of life is very real. And the risks are either sort of, there's a lot of bad information out there about what the vaccine can do to you. Um, but even in its worst iterations, the chances of a serious adverse outcome are so low as to be similar to the likelihood of dying in a plane crash. Yeah, and I think those are the messages that the public needs to hear, um, you know, along with that it does not inject COVID into you. It's not going to change your DNA. I mean, they are novel vaccines, but we are awaiting another one. 
from Johnson Johnson and AstraZeneca possibly uh, that work a little bit differently. However, they're all the same and they're, they're all going to be safe. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and, and when we think across sort of the history of medicine, like this is one of those zones where we've been very good, right? Like we have a lot of information and history on how vaccines work and their safety um, and what to look for when they are potentially not safe. And we're not seeing any of that with this vaccine. So we've got a lot of experience in vaccines. And, you know, this one is, you know, again, understanding there's some concerns about, um, I, I guess, there's, just thinking about like what's on the Internet, this business about infertility. That's not true. That is made up. That is just false. Um, one of the things we actually worry about is infertility after having COVID. So if families are really thinking about how do I position my family to be the most healthy, um, preventing COVID is, is step number one. Yeah. When we talk about like um, the, the push for people to get it and trying to reassure people that it's safe, but it is really important for all of us to think of ourselves as like almost team members. And we need to all do this for everybody because we need to reach herd immunity. Yeah, that's exactly right. So for us to be at a point where, you know, the only way a virus spreads is from person to person. So the only way to stop it is to keep people apart, which we recognize very hard. <laughs> people don't like to be apart um, or to make it so that the person is impervious to getting the vaccine or the virus. When you have herd immunity, the virus has no place to go. It has no vectors. So even if someone comes into the herd or the group with the virus, it ends right there because the virus can't jump from person to person. That's why you need a certain percentage of people who are immune. And that's what we call herd immunity. They estimate about 70% of people have to be immune for herd immunity to work. So a way to think of that is if you go to a party, you know, there's 10 people there seven of them have to be immune to the virus to keep the virus from spreading to the apartment next door. If seven out of 10 of those people are, are, have had the vaccine and can't get infected, there's no way for them to take that vaccine, that virus and bring it to somebody else. So you effectively, it just ends right there at that party. But seven out of 10 have to be impervious to the virus. And that's where this idea of herd immunity comes from and why we, we're all on the team. We got to get, you know, because maybe 30% can't get vaccinated. So everybody who can has got to get it. Are we going to get there? Oh, we're definitely going to get there. Um, so far, we do have the good pro problem of people wanting vaccine. And right now there's not enough of it. So, you know, I do believe that people are getting this message that it's really safe. I think people are getting this message that I can't continue to live my life with a constant threat and cloud that I'm going to get COVID or what I think more people are worried about, which is I think I'm going to be fine because, you know, I'm invincible, but my mom isn't, but my cousin who has diabetes isn't. So I think, you know, I am very optimistic in terms of what I'm seeing and hearing from patients, from, you know, friends, from colleagues in terms of I can't wait to get my vaccine. So we hope to be in arenas uh, this summer. Uh, the Super Bowl is coming up. I think there might be some fans in the seats. Is it, When you see some of these stadiums and some of these arenas now having limited capacity, 25% capacity, is that okay? Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this before, sort of even in the beginning of the summer, which is there are ways to do this safely. 
right? We know it's not magic. How far apart do people need to be, right? What do they need to be wearing in terms of masking, in terms of loving, in terms of hand sanitization? So all of that can work in terms of what we're doing, seeing on flights now, right? Which is you get tested before you get on that plane. You get tested before you go into the arena. So I think there are lots of inventive ways to keep people safe. Can it look the way it ever did before, which is hundreds of thousands of people crowding? Not until we have, you know, until COVID is over, right? We're not going to be able to do that again. So we just need to get to this point where COVID has no chance of spreading because people are immune to it. Um, like all these other things that we don't get when we go to sporting events. So I'm I'm optimistic. I'm a big football and hockey fan. So I'm really looking forward yeah, <laughs> um, and, to that. Right. And I think it's something we needed in the in the in the craziness of everything happening. That was a normalcy. We needed to see some sports, even if it were cardboard cutouts in the stadium. But I think we're all kind of yearning to get back to our restaurants and our our sports events and and our concerts. So yeah, and I think the proof will be in the pudding in terms of we've done it now, right? So there have been events um, where there are some numbers of tens of thousands. And to see, you know, where we have outbreaks, where there is no accounting for COVID, it happens. It spreads. Where people have been careful and yeah. where there has been good planning, you're not seeing the spread. So I think we will have more and more experience on how to do this safely. Um, just want to switch gears a little bit and move into our next segment. Uh, what keeps you up at night? Um, well, taking care of folks who need these treatments for COVID. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so making sure people have access to the to the different treatments because we do have antibody infusions. We were talking about this a little earlier um, and making sure people can, you know, from all walks of life, have access to the best treatments for this if they do get COVID. Um, I think what lots of people are worrying about are some of these variants and the virus kind of mutating in a way that might make the vaccine um, sort of less effective. But even that does not particularly keep me up at night. I think uh, we unfortunately like to sort of sensationalize some of these things. It's important to keep in mind that viruses mutate. That's how viruses act. That is not some new COVID problem. That is just Viruses do that. They're, they're actually ingenious in their ability to mutate. What we understand now is that for all of these vaccines, it's not a it works or it doesn't. It is there's an efficacy amount. And right now, based on these mutations, the efficacy is very high on these vaccines. Even though some mutations might make it less effective, the efficacy is still is very so high. Much false and everyone also has to remember where you have there is efficacy. Um, I do not get infected. That is one level of efficacy. But the other that we rely on very heavily is so I get infected, whenever you see but I don't go to the hospital. Reports on the I get infected and I go to the hospital, but I don't end up in the ICU. And those are all different levels of vaccine efficacy. And we, at this false. point, it really and appears that the vaccine doing the with the new mutations is effective at all of those levels. Life -saving with that being said, um, you know, we do a segment called the top three. So from your perspective, what are the top three things either preventing us or um, helping us end this pandemic? So top one thing preventing us from sort of doing what we need to do is the internet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, it's a great tool, but there is so much false information out there. And especially where you have populations, um, you know, especially our black and brown communities that have a legacy of mistrust 
for healthcare, deservedly so, whenever you see these kind of reports on the internet around kind of fertility or the other one is, you know, being injected with things that track you, I've heard this, that is all false. And it's basically doing the opposite thing, which is keeping vulnerable people from life-saving treatment. So the most important thing is to just for people to have access to valid information that is coming from real vetted sources within that that information has to come from, to, and by those communities. It really isn't a process of like, how do, how does this group get into that group? But how does that group become empowered to inform their own community? And that is where the information is the most powerful and impactful. That That's where the community is really going to believe the information as opposed to kind of force feeding, like, this is good for you, do this thing. It, it really does have to come from a place of trust. The second thing, which I think is so optimistic, is that we have spokespeople out there who are saying, I've gotten this vaccine and it is, I'm saving lives and this is important for the country for the world. And those stories of hope are are really kind of one of the, the the highlights, if you can say there's a highlight here around this whole vaccination effort is people stepping up and saying, yes, this is important. I'm going to be you know, one of the first or the first. Um, and like the third thing I'd say, which is, you know, one thing that I do worry about is that before we get to this magic 70% of kind of herd immunity, people will be, uh, what's the word, sort of, they will stop doing all of the careful things that we do that keep ourselves healthy. So I hope what some of the listeners know is that our rates of flu or influenza, which typically kills in this country maybe 40,000 people a year, not nothing, right? We're seeing none of that. Why? Because everybody's washing their hands. Everybody's wearing masks. People are making good hygiene decisions that are keeping them from a host of sort of illnesses. So I think, you know, that I I would like to see that continue sort of even in a post-vaccine world where we are really mindful about surfaces, where we're washing our hands like crazy, where, you know, not the extreme social distancing, but just making good decisions. If I have a fever, am I going to work? Right. Or am I going to expose everybody? I don't know what this could be. So, you know, I definitely like to see that. And then I'll add a fourth, which is 2021 is the year of the healthcare makeup. Right. A lot of what we know now is a lot of people postponed healthcare in 2020 to avoid going to practices. And in 2021, we need to focus on wellness and making sure we're kind of up to date with all those things that are going to keep us healthy. You want a ballpark when uh, pandemic ends? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. So we're coming near the end of our 20-minute health talk. We always like to end on a positive note. So what gives you hope? What gives you optimism? I think like with any sort of great challenge, you just see people stepping up in every way they possibly can. And I think throughout COVID, we've seen that from our healthcare workers to just people in neighborhoods and neighbors lending a helping hand. And I also have tremendous optimism around 
the fact that I know people are scared when they make their vaccine appointments and they're doing it anyway and they're doing it for the good of everyone. And that that just gives me tremendous hope in terms of, you know, humanity and us all being in this together. All right. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brown, for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. To the listeners who tuned in, thank you so much. Stay safe and have a great week. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.